Okay, as I said, growing up in a Catholic school, this was traditionally considered the most boring passage in the Bible. And it may also be one of the most important because it shows who Jesus is. Well, Father, how does reaching, reading a bunch of names tell us who Jesus is? All right. This is the first line of the New Testament. This is the very first line of the New Testament and immediately shows who Jesus is. Well, okay, Father, who is Jesus? Well, first of all, it shows that he had dysfunction in his family. So it gives us hope. <clears throat> You've heard me say my family puts the fun in dysfunctional. And let's, I mean, I won't go through a lot of detail here, but mentions Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute, officially declared and known to be a prostitute, not tradition like Mary Magdalene. David commits adultery, gets a Bathsheba, a woman pregnant, and then kills the, the husband to cover it up. Jesus comes from the bloodline of this. Jesus comes from an imperfect family. It shows that he was truly one of us. You know, if I don't know if Brother Mark can show it, but the second statue to the left of the image of divine mercy is one of the apostles that we get the most common question here at the shrine. Father Chris, who is that apostle with the little boy? And again, I apologize if Brother Mark can't get that, but... The second apostle to the left of the image of divine mercy is one of the apostles with a little boy. And everybody asks, which apostle is that? That's Matthew, whose gospel we just read. And the reason he has a little child is it represents the genealogy. The genealogy of Jesus from father to son, from the begetting. And so the statue of Matthew with the child here at the National Shrine is significant. Now, Matthew, in his gospel, how do we do this genealogy? It goes from Abraham forward to Christ. But if you read Luke, it goes from Christ backwards. But it doesn't stop at Abraham like Matthew starts at Abraham. Luke goes all the way back to Adam. Now, why? All right. First of all, Matthew was addressing a Jewish audience. That's who he wrote to. So to the Jews, what was important was Abraham. So Matthew started at Abraham and then went forward to Jesus. Now, Luke was writing to a Gentile audience. So he started with Jesus, who he is, and went all the way back to Adam. So Matthew shows Jesus' Jewish heritage, while Luke shows his divine sonship. Because Jesus goes all the way back to Adam, and who was Adam? The first son of God. Adopted son. First adopted son of God. Now, Matthew stresses... <clears throat> so we got two Gospels that talk about genealogies. We got Matthew and we got Luke. And Matthew only goes from Abraham down to Jesus. Luke goes from Jesus back to Adam. But here's what we need to know. Matthew stresses Christ as a successor of David and follows, guess what, a line of kings. 
So Matthew is focused on the humanity of Jesus. But what does Luke do? Luke goes all the way back to Adam as Adam, the son, adopted son of God. So Luke stresses Christ as the son of God, his divinity. See how beautifully this all fits together? So in his humanity, we see Luke in his line of kings of David. I'm sorry, in Matthew, we see the line that he comes from of David, the line of kings. This is Matthew. And in Luke, we see his divinity. He goes all the way back to creation. And so why this may seem boring to some, to the Jew of the day, this passage would have been probably one of the most important in the Bible. If you were a Jew convert in the first century of the entire scriptures, this one would have meant everything to you. And this is who Matthew's writing to is the Jews. Okay, why would this have been so fascinating and powerful to the Jews? Okay, it would have summed up all of their hopes for what God was promising them. All right, his plan was now to come to completion in their lifetime. If you were a first century Jew, you're like, this is it. God is keeping his promises. Father Seraphim used to say that's what divine mercy is. God keeping his promises. Justice equals his mercy. He has to be merciful because he has to keep his promise, which is justice. So, The Bible just split into three 14-generation segments, right? I read a whole bunch of names, and it says that was 14 generations. Then I read a whole bunch of names, and that was 14 generations. Then I read a whole bunch more names, and that was 14 generations. This is very important to the Jewish man of the time. Why? Okay, in the first section, from Abraham to King David, this established the Davidic kingdom, the monarchy of David. Then what happened? In the second section of 14 generations, all the Davidic kings up to the Babylonian exile, and it stops. Why? Because of the destruction of the Davidic monarchy. So it was destroyed. Now, in the third section, from that point all the way now to Jesus, We have now the restoration of the Davidic kingdom through Jesus, who is the Messiah. So now we see how the story of Jesus, the story of Israel, makes sense. Matthew divides these generations into three sets of 14. Why 14? This I had to look up. I was hard-pressed to remember what I learned in seminary about this, and I remember once I looked it up, that the Jews, when they write their letters, also have numeric values, their consonants. And if you add up the numeric value of each of the consonants of the word David, it equals 14. I thought, okay, now we're into some kind of biblical code and, you know, some history channel, the code of the Bible. And I thought, nah, 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 nah. And then I looked it up, and this is actually true part of the tradition of the church. I thought, wow, that's interesting. His name, the name David, adds up to the number 14 in the Hebrew. This was important. 
Why all this focus on David? Well, because David would bring back the glory of Israel. He was the last of this great glory of Israel. This is when the kingdom reached its peak in power and influence was under David. So God promised David and all his descendants that this dynasty would continue. Well, wait a minute. It was destroyed in Babylon. How could it continue? It was destroyed in Babylon. It's going to continue now with Jesus. So Matthew highlights this Babylonian exile as the end of the Davidic monarchy. Yes, dashed hopes, despair. But from that time to the time of Rome, the Jews suffered. All right? They were without control of their own land and their own people. There was no real true. They were not truly in control of their own destiny. Yet God offered hope through the prophets, saying that a new Davidic king would come. He would be the Messiah. He would restore the kingdom and bring back the era of the Davidic kingdom. Now, Jesus is it. And so they're bringing about a new covenant, but not freedom from slavery of Rome, freedom from the slavery of sin, right? So most first century Jews reading this passage of Matthew and the genealogy were longing for the restoration, and here it is. So these Jewish converts in the earliest centuries who Matthew was writing to would have went, this is it. You know, verse 12 in this passage mentions Zerubbabel. Now, why is that name important? You probably never even heard it. You know why that was important? That was the last one mentioned in the Old Testament. The last of the Davidic descendants recorded in the Old Testament was Zerubbabel. Now, in verse 13, we have hope because it shows that that Davidic line continued after Zerubbabel. And now, 14 generations goes right to Jesus. So this would have been ecstatic to the Jew of the time. The Davidic line continues. Now, not only that, perhaps at the end, We'll find the Messiah. And how do we know we did? Because Matthew says, Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. What does Christ mean? The anointed one. He's the answer. So all of this, this climax, the whole genealogy finishes with Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah the waited for one, the one we've been waiting for, the fulfillment of the line of David, the continuation of the line of David, but in its fullness. He will restore this kingdom and bring true liberation, not from Rome, but from sin. According to the prophets of the law, this covenant, if you weren't faithful to it, if you were unfaithful, it brought about your exile. And that's what happened in Babylon. So Jesus, you remember the word means God saves, comes to save his people, thereby really saving them from exile. Exile from being separated from God through sin. 
not being chained by the Babylonians or the Romans, but being enslaved to the real oppressor who was the devil. That was the problem. And now Christ is revealing it. So anyway, to end, Matthew ends the first chapter by calling Jesus Emmanuel. Now this is hugely important. So when I went back to my seminary, and as I told you, I was so blessed to have so many scripture passages in seminary. And I had them both at Dominican House in Washington and Holy Apostles in Cromwell, Connecticut. And I got a, a blessed with a real well-rounded understanding of scripture based on the teachings I received, things that I never even heard of. And so that's why I'm so honored to bring you guys to seminary with me because if I had no clue about these things, so I had to go to seminary, most people don't either. And so basically what I learned in my seminary class was that Matthew calling Jesus Emmanuel was very important here because the word Emmanuel means God with us. That's Matthew 1.23. Now, we cannot understate, again, what this must have meant to the Jews. Why would that one word, God with us, mean so much to a convert Jew or the Jew that's thinking about Jesus in the first century? All right, ever since the fall, God has been trying to restore us, bring us back. Not only is he the Christ, the anointed Davidic king who will restore the kingdom, as we said before. Not only is he Jesus, the one who saves. Jesus means he who saves. Not only will he save them from their sins, as I mentioned before, but now he is Emmanuel, which means he's actually with us. He didn't just restore us from afar. He didn't just save us from afar. So restoring is the king of David, saving us as the name Jesus. He didn't do it just from afar. He's now here with us. And that's what Emmanuel means. And how is Christ still with us? The Eucharist. He is Emmanuel, God with us. God is with his people again. Rejoice. We're in the third week of Advent. The rose candle. Rejoice. So the new covenant, which Jesus inaugurates restores communion with the heavenly father goal accomplished mission accomplished god is with us in the church in the word we just read but most of all in the eucharist manual god is with us you know god's family wasn't perfect you know it's okay that ours isn't perfect either Jesus had both sinners and saints in his line. But here's the point. And this is where I want to finish, because Jesus doesn't expect any of us to be perfect without flaw or a perfect family without any problems. But he does expect us to be loyal. Loyalty to God is the common thread in every name I just read. Every name I just read, even though they were sinners, they were broken, they were imperfect, every name I just read was loyal to God. And that's why this generation of name after name after name ended with the gift of Jesus Christ. 
their reward for that entire generation being loyal. So the moral to the story, if your family line has not been loyal, start with you. You start the rest of your family line. Instill it to your children. We just finished filming an episode for EWTN called The Domestic Church. There we have a feature of a town in Michigan where Vinnie Flynn's son, Brian, is a part of. That is the message of the domestic church. Parents handing on their faith to their children. And their children handing the faith on to their children. And this is what we have in this passage today. The faith was handed on from Obed to Ruth to Jesse to David, so on, so on, so on. Quite a boring passage, right? Nah, not really. Quite an important one. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you and God bless you.